NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The great cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. Boys! Get a few today, did you? To be honest with you, I um, hate grade cricket. <laughs> uh, I went into the play for a team called... Um, Obviously, sharing is always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids coming into a senior cricket team. Take it like a whip, please. Um, a bit of advice. Yeah. Sort of one. I refer to the great cricketer here and I'll say, this will do a little bit early. <laughs> Hello indeed. Good morning to you. Good evening to you around the world. Welcome to the great cricketer. Presented to you by Custom Swimmer, by Budgie Smuggler, budgiesmuggler.com. All made in Australia. A grim week all round for cricket, obviously starting with a Shane Warne's passing. Australia, Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka, England and West Indies. The Women's World Cup. Todd Greenberg, the head of the ACA, is on the show and we've also pieced together your speak pipes in uh, speak pipes in, uh, in memory of Shane Warne's passing. It's been a few days now. Sam Perry, uh, let's just get straight into uh, the death of the king, I suppose. I know we put, we pieced together um, sort of 30 minutes, uh, which will be on your podcast feeds and on YouTube and uh, et cetera, et cetera, wherever you get this. Uh, but um, we pieced together a 30-minute thing, uh, immediate, um, sort of an immediate reaction about how we all felt, and it still feels to me... Um, really surreal, not quite, like it's, it's still not true. Um, I suppose there'll be a state funeral and, and you know, we've seen um, news about, you know, like the Great Southern Stand, the MCG will now be called the SK Warn Stand and, and, and all these things. But I just, <clears throat> you know, I still feel like when summer comes around next year that, you know, the King will still be on commentary. It's, um, it still doesn't feel normal yet. Yeah, good. He goes, that's right. It, it doesn't feel normal it feels surreal and we've obviously heard um or read statements from his family which were um you know devastating <laughs> to read to be honest and uh and and by the same token though there's been some you know unbelievable tributes out there as well and i have enjoyed watching them uh, i've enjoyed watching the the myriad clips that are out there now as well and just to do another worn immersion uh you know probably the 60,000th one I've done, <laughs> you know, and many of us have done <laughs> as well. I thought, you know, people wrote so well about it as well. I really enjoyed Barney Ronay's article. I enjoyed Russell Jackson's article, um, or Obit really, um, to, to warn. And those guys put that stuff together really quickly. Um, all, you know, also worth noting, um, since we last recorded, you know, Rod Marsh passed away as well. And a guy yeah. who had a storied Australian cricket career, uh, not just on the field, but a, a huge contribution 
off as well. Um, but uh, you know, and there's no need to to really compare. But the um, the worn death is just uh, it just looms so large. It's a huge pall over Australian sport, Australian cricket, uh, and world mm. cricket. And just to that end as well. Um, it was a. We'll, we'll introduce this later. I mean, you, we're, we're going to probably race through the cricket here. To be honest, like a, a lot of it feels a little bit um, of a lower priority, uh, or putting things in perspective. But um, uh, it was just an incredible experience to listen to every single voice message that was sent through, and uh, an enormous thank you to everybody who did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done my best to put together as many as possible. Those that couldn't make it, um, it, it was that these were tech issues really or just um, sound issues. So looking mm-hmm. forward to introducing that later and to everyone who wrote in as well, an enormous thanks. You obviously just, you know, touched so many people, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, it's um, it, but just been a really, a really strange uh, and... Uh, like discombobulating few days, uh, but mm. you know we've we've done our best to try and honour the man, honour honour the great man, and we'll we'll do that today as well. Um, I found watching like just seeing the 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 myriad clips rounds, like all the highlights, all the the great memories that he gave us, confusing in two capacities, confusing in that like it was just such a it's you know all the 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 euphoric memories that that the man the player gave us you know and and sort of there's like eras of worn based on like weight and hairstyles and um tan and um and it's all wrapped up in the sort of circus that was the man as well outside of the player um but it's sort of it it gives me like a tinge of sadness as well that it's just he hasn't played in like <laughs> 15 years but but it's but then it's just over like i i guess i'm i'm dealing with like the nature of death in itself isn't like that person isn't on the planet anymore. Mm. It's, it's a really, that's what I was saying before at the very top, you know, I just still expect him to be on Fox's coverage next summer when, when, it, you know, when our summer rolls around next year, it's just, it's, um, it's bizarre. I think, uh, seeing the state funeral, whenever, are they even announced when, when that is yet? I, I don't think so. Um, sure. but just like seeing like the casket and stuff, I, I, I feel like it's just, um, there's some reality to that, which I, I don't even know if I'm prepared for. And, and, mm. uh, um yeah i don't know man but then you said this really eloquently on on the sort of 30 minute thing that we put out a few days ago on on shane's passing that uh um now i've just completely lost my train of thought because mm. that time in the morning we've been well done all night i yeah. think mate what you're talking about i mean <laughs> that's, yeah, you, that, that's grief <laughs> you know uh and um uh, pe- mm. people are people are people are grieving uh and it's mm. a, it's strange it's strange because a lot of us didn't really know him and yet so so passing that in your mind uh or in our collective minds is its own like requires its own train of thought but a lot of people are a lot of people are grieving for um for for various reasons depending on their age and where where Warren came into their lives and um just trying to trying yeah, to work yeah. out what what influence he did have and it's kind of it's it's almost uh scary what kind of influence he had you know i mean i've been i've been wondering what my relationship to cricket would even be which we, you know this sport that's uh um you know that that's that's now you know accounts for a career you know to for now until we say something wrong but um <laughs> yeah like uh and, and yeah and, and i think a funeral funerals you know they're helpful for those things they're difficult but they're 
but they're helpful and and I'm I'm glad it's a state funeral. It's very warny, uh, and uh, mm. it's going to be big and uh, it's been really it's it's been really comforting. I think to listen to people reflect on warny as well, mate, because like you know every so often when you're listening to people, whether it's you know radio, podcast, reading, uh, stuff on video, like someone will say something like, yeah, that's right, you know, and I, I really. I enjoyed one from an Irish podcast I listened to. It mainly does football, but other ones called um, Second Captains. Where uh, so so they're a little bit distant from cricket, but they nailed it because they're mm. really good. And uh, one of the guys, Kieran, sort of said that uh, he, you know, he played in the Australian way as well, which was a sort of boorish but brilliant. Uh, and he he really mm. did he really did sum up the way that we wanted to play sport as well you know it was uh it was sort of the imper- the perfect encapsulation of all of that uh so mm. and you know how many you know how many times did warn um how many times did warn bail australia out as well you know like there's a there's a there's a bit of a a thought about mm. that team that when teams got close to them they they might have capitulated but they just rarely got close to them because warn would bowl 36 overs in a day you know and if they're over in trouble or they needed something warn could make something happen, you know. Sort of going back into just him, him as a player now. But uh, I just, mm. I, I, I'm just left thinking, um, for what it's worth, that uh, you know, if anybody, if there's any figure that is, um, at least in an abstract way, going to live on, uh, it's Warren. You know, he just, he, mm. he, he's so, he's just so ever present, uh, and he will be. You know, he, he really, he, God, he really, really left a mark, didn't he? I'm not sure I've encountered yeah. anybody's left a bigger mark in a sporting sense. Uh, and, and then mm. I suppose the flow onto the cultural stuff as well. So, uh, yeah, we're still obviously still obviously working through it. But uh, it's, it's been great to, um, to really revel in the love for the man and for everybody to come yeah. together around that. Yeah, I, I I recall what I was going to say before I lost my mm. train of thought in the in mid sentence, but um, but the sort of hierarchy of grief and and, and reading reading things put out by um, um, Brooke Warren and then Jackson mm. Warren's son, just um, you know, just the loss of a father at such a young age, and these 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 are young young people as well, um, who have now lost their dad, and that's that's just devastating, and, and I sort of wonder like, <clears throat> I feel like the more time that comes out, and there's more interests about you know how this happens you know like there's um you know was, was it purely just cardiovascular disease or was there something you know more nefarious than that i i feel like it doesn't matter <laughs> you, you know like it's um whatever it was it was just there was there was a warningness to it and it doesn't take away from you know the, the grief of especially his family and his close friends um and also just what the indelible mark that he left on the game and 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 the Australian community, not just the cricketing community. I mean, yeah, he's on he's on second cap, but guys on second captains talking about it's um that's pretty uh pretty broad reach for the fucking king. Mm. Um, so I, I hope that I hope that like whatever comes out next, because there's you know there's news outlets that are going to try and get information there to sell salacious stories, even in his death, which is such a um tragic part of his life and the celebrity that it that follows celebrities um and i hope that doesn't like detract away from the tragedy that is the loss of um a hero for many people and a father and a friend mm. um but i suppose a lot of that's out of our control um uh, plus i've had some good stories and you know have a look at it but um 
<laughs> well, it's Warner, you know. What have you done now, Warner? That's right. Uh, I mean, That's I remember right. like, uh, yeah. you know, you got Facebook memories coming up and I've seen a lot of people uh, sort of say, look, he, he was he was Cricket's Maradona and stuff. And, uh, you know, th- sure. Like, um, I rem- like 10, maybe even more years ago when you would write dumb shit on Facebook. Like, I remember coming home completely pissed and like starting to write, and this keeps popping up in my Facebook memories every year. Like, Warn- be good. <laughs> yeah, like like Warren would knock over Maradona. You know, I just thought Warren, Warren would <laughs> knock over Michael Short. Like, just re, you know, just a just a juvenile adult reimagining yeah. these sporting icons as cricketers batting, and yeah. how Warren would get yeah. them out. And just people yeah. just blow, and just pops up every year because it attracted a lot of comment, <laughs> particularly the you know suspicion that i was heavily drunk at the time <laughs> <laughs> but that's the that's the kid in you you know that that, that comes out uh isn't you know those, yeah. compar- those comparisons are silly uh but yeah, yeah it's um it's been nice to it's been nice to really immerse in a lot of that stuff in the last few days and i'm sure everybody mm. else is the same and and mm. will continue uh, to do so I'll tell you what If you've got children um, Especially young uh, Oh no It doesn't matter Whether it's a son or a daughter Yeah just um, Just be careful Before you turn uh, You know Worn vision on uh, In front of them It just If you want to avoid Crying in front of your children It's something When you just combine You know Your hero dying And, and your young kids That's a That's a hell of a recipe That's a hell of a oh, recipe fucking so, hell man Yeah Fucking hell man I mean, Chopping onions Ted Apologies yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like me if I see soldiers coming home from war videos. Uh, see you later. I'm see no you good, later. Mate. Yeah, well, I just put that on if I actually want to feel something. We've, we've spoken about that before. Oh, I just feel a bit numb. That's right. That's right. <laughs> just, just saying to your two kids there, see you later, boys. See yeah. you later. I'm but then gone. Sometimes, but then sometimes you see that I saw the other day a soldier coming home video where the twist was his wife was cheating on him. So you're getting ready to... <laughs> Oh, hang on a second. I'm, ups- I'm upset, but for a different reason. Uh, uh, well, you know, it's a comedy show. That's right. That's right. Um, well, uh, two things. Uh, at the end of this show, we, um, Pez has uh, pieced together um, as many speak pipes as possible to sort of get your guys' um, feelings and, and ready reactions to, to how Warren made you feel and, and, and the life of the man that was. Um, so that'll be at the uh, end of this uh, of this here episode. And also thank you to everyone who um, left messages or contacted us personally or, or, or publicly, um, you know, in regards to the 30-minute show that we put out on, um, was that Friday or Saturday? Um, one, of, one of those two days, when, whenever, whenever Shane passed. Um, so, uh, yeah, we really appreciate that. And if you haven't listened to it yet, it's, uh, it's on your YouTube feed and it's on your podcast feed. Um, <clears throat> you've seen before, Pez, about how... Um, a lot of the cricket doesn't matter in the wake of uh, in the wake of Warren's passing. And that's absolutely right, um, mate. I'm fucking pissed off with Pakistan Australia that Test match. That's that is. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I'm so angry about it, but um, it was the worst game I've ever watched because I think it's because I don't like the sport. There's that, and I think it's because I knew it was going to be a draw for about four days. Um, and nothing happened. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know what to do with that. There are lots of times cricket's a fucking great game. It's the best game. It's really good. 
And then this shit comes along. Fucking hell, man. It was a punish. Um, and I'm upset. I'm upset mm. about it. Uh, how do you feel about it? Did you like it? Uh, well, like, I don't think I've, I don't think I'm angry like that. I can really hear that in your voice. Um, but, um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, don't be sorry. Uh, I think it's, it's right. like Pat Cummins said overnight that it's clear they made an effort to nullify our pace attack. Uh, and that might be right. It's kind of like, you know, if you're, maybe you're trying to, maybe it's trying to dilute the amount of gin you put in that drink. A little bit and just you, you so you top up a bit of tonic thinking you're being healthy and you just and you just keep going you're like oh fucking hell there's no gin anymore like it was it was uh i don't know if you have that uh uh, uh people have told me about that I, it's not really for me <laughs> that's, that's that's to say that's very specific <laughs> i'm trying to trying to think of examples of diluting things i was going to go with cordial but i was like okay what are you fucking nine well yes i am but uh <laughs> <laughs> when was so, the last glass of cordial yeah. you, pe- you, you poured for yourself uh, up here in darwin yeah, there's nothing like a nice cordial but it's sort of you, you upgrade it from your cotties to your bickfords for example just so you can feel a little bit uh you know you can just deal with that status well, things, anxiety going well yeah. <laughs> did you get the bickfords bud <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's like they they just kind of diluted it too much they gave it too much medication you know the the add child he's got no life to him anymore uh and um you know watch garden state believe me uh anyway um no actually i think medication could be helpful i'm not against medication oh god yeah, it, 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 there, there was nothing. There was nothing in it, and Australia took. You know, the concerning thing, I suppose, is that like Australia took uh, four wickets and conceded like seven hundred odd runs over um, mm. fucking two two innings, and and Pakistan still managed mm. their ten, uh, and and that was on a pretty lifeless deck. Uh, it was what was it? 15, 15 yeah. wickets, fourteen wickets in fifteen sessions. That's ordinary. Uh, yeah. What else? Alex Malcolm in in uh, Crick Info said the. I saw he's written the combined. It was a combined bowling average for Australia of two hundred and thirty-eight point three three. The strike rate of four hundred and seventy-eight. It's the second worst in one hundred and forty-five years of Test cricket. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, people, we won't go over everything that happened in the game because if you want that, we we did like eighty minutes of content over five different pieces through through the week. But uh, yeah. upside, some runs. The Kawaja played really well. I thought all the all the bats except Travis Head scored runs. Just about. Uh, but we didn't. It's hard to know what what we learned out of it because it was just so, as Steve Smith said, benign. I thought Australia actually bowled pretty well, to be honest, man. And I thought in the second innings that fucking does not count. I mean, like pff, they got two hundred and fifty fucking all the best lads. Honestly, all the best to you. Um, it was a fucking waste of time. I like um, at the ends, like Travis had Ryan Smovers. I think that there might be a bit of a problem. I think Stark Cummins Hayes would only bowl about ten. 12 overs in yeah, the second. They just, the they, second, they, no miles dig. on the clock. Yeah. No. Nah, uh, Lion bowled a lot of overs, though, and looked not threatening. Um, yeah. Look, i got to say, a lot of Pakistan's bowls didn't look threatening. I know Norman Alley got six for um, bowling some absolute fucking dog shit down the leg side. Um, just fucking barely. It was barely a contest, man. I'm, I'm upset about it. I'm upset of the, the, the lack of competition, the lack of um, engaging sport that that was. Um, winning away from home, winning Test Series away from home. We'll talk about England and West Indies in a moment. Um, and Joe was just saying beforehand it would be a significant achievement if they win in the West Indies, which would be because I think the West Indies actually have beaten England the last time England were in the West Indies. My, my point being, it's hard to win away from home. And Australia 
have two tests to try and win a game because this because I think third test is at uh, Pindy Stadium as well, isn't it? Um, uh, the, I don't think the so. Second, I think they go. Oh, is to, it? It's Karachi then Lahore. Karachi, it's Karachi next. Yeah. Oh, then Lahore is it? Oh, okay, yeah. my, my mistake, my mistake. Um, so you know, uh, but I think uh, culturally. <laughs> Australians batting in Asia and getting 470 or whatever they got uh, is good. And I thought Australia bowled okay. I, I thought Australia bowled pretty well in the first innings. I mean, there's also a bit of a problem where if Pakistan are going to bat for two fucking days, like, what's the point of that? Like, I mean, it shows a bit of fear with Pakistan as well, I think, that they they didn't feel like they could ever win the game. Um, maybe they just backed rolling Australia out. But on that wicket, mate, it was a fucking joke. Um, and if you want to listen to those reactions and more, patreon.com forward slash great cricketer. Uh. <laughs> so great cricket. Just to get, you know, just just disgust over the conditions. You know what I mean? This fucking... I'm fucking like, disgusted. I, I think one thing that... Uh, it'd be interesting, interesting to know how the Aussies feel privately. Uh, like, I, I mm. thought one thing that, that was notable is that they seemed to... They didn't seem to show any, um, like, any issue with, with how shit the wicket was. Uh, and how it offered nothing. Yeah. They seemed to keep a level head the whole time, which is like oh, I think previous Australian teams would have started getting angry or trying things and and you know create trying to create things out of emotion. And maybe I don't know. Mm. Maybe you have to do. That. I don't know. Uh, it is one thing keeping an eye on like that when when there's not a lot doing in the wicket, they can they can look quite straight. The Aussies they didn't get a lot of reverse mm. and like, like I mean neither team mm. did. Uh, and yeah, I think Lions want to keep. Uh, an, an eye on as well and yeah like if you made changes what change would you make uh you know i saw a stat mm. going around that uh just going round that uh you know if you yeah. had to rem- if you had to remove a quick well you're removing one of stark or hazelwood right and uh yeah uh, hazelwood's the bush horse but he, he takes his mm. you know so far he takes his wickets in asia at 40 uh stark takes his at 30 uh so that's an interesting one i got a feeling i got a feeling just with asia generally they just it's going to have to be two spinners at some point, you know? Which spinner is it? And who do you get rid of? Yeah. I think that they picked the right team for this test match. No issues there. Um, Swepson is an interesting one where, like, he's just got to play at some point. And I don't mm. know if there's been a game just yet since he's been in the squad. He's been in the squad for, like, two years. Mm. I don't know if there's been a game that I've thought he must play this game. But it is getting to a point where it's like, He's in a lot of squads. Are you going to pick him? <laughs> but yeah, it's not thing, as black and white as that. It's the thing is like with with Asia. Like look at look at guys like Axar Patel or Steve O'Keefe that came before. Like when you can bowl left arm orthodox and, and use pace uh, and and mm. like you, you can really spear it into the wicket, which just because of the nature of the action, like leg spinners can't really do that. Uh, it, yeah. it, you know that's. That's the one that feels right for me, you know, a left a left arm around the wicket, spearing it in. Can you yeah, get it to so. go straight or move away? And Agar's first class record yeah. suggests that he's, he probably doesn't have the skill of the guys I just mentioned there before. But uh, that that mm. seems to me, you know, Norman Alley's left arm over as well. Uh, you know, it was a lot of sort of patient mm. wickets there that he got. But that the, the left arm orthodox seems to have a fair bit of success over there. I wonder if the, and and you know, obviously Agar can bat as well. So um, be mm. curious to see which who they choose ahead of him. Whether they just go all well. You know, Swepson's next cab. Uh, so let's play him. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, you look at even Ajaz Patel, who got 10 for against India mm. uh, a couple of months ago, left arm orthodox. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a natural variation where you can mm. attack the stumps. You can get <clears throat> you can get guys out many different ways. Mm. Um, 
But I guess we'll see what happens next. I'm on the fucking edge of my seat. Uh, now, um, an actual result that happened was India-Sri Lanka. Uh, India won by an innings and 222 runs, mate. Uh, India won the toss and had a stick, and they got 574 for eight. Um, Jadeja hit 175, <laughs> Batty hit seven, <laughs> and then Sri Lanka got 174. And India thought, no, nah, you guys have a go again. 178 all out. Jadeja takes nine for 175. Um, I think he was man of the match. Didn't quite catch that, but I think he might have been. Um, statistically, uh, maybe the best ever. I'm not really sure what that means. It's like just numbers based. It's just fucking unbelievable, this guy. 175, not. 9 for. not. Oh, Red Ink, was it? Yeah. Fucking hell. That is, I mean, Sri Lanka, so it's not great competition, but still. <laughs> yeah, like a India test against Sri Lanka at home. That's a fucking cash in summer if there ever was one. But you got to score him. You got to score him. Uh, what a player, Jadeja. What a player. Uh, uh, I also saw Punt 96. If he'd converted all his 90s to, a, to 100s, he would have, you know, he'd have nine test 100s in 28 matches. But, you know, if my brother wasn't my brother, he'd be my sister. Didn't do it. Um, yeah. What? Uh, Ashwin Ashwin went past uh, Harath, Hadley, and Kapil Dev. He's four wickets mm-hmm. away from Dale Stain. It's 435 test wickets. Not bad. Not bad for a bloke who sort of may or may not get a game uh, for India. <laughs> and I see. And yeah, wonder, and then and what, Axar's uh, back. Axar's, Axar Patel's back for the second test. <laughs> <laughs> Karuna Ratna's working hard in the net, so I'll give you the tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tiramana's having I mean, a look at that. They need the manas, um, man. Yeah, the <laughs> I'm just looking at uh, I'm just looking at the scorecard here. Um, yeah, ev- everyone sort of everyone sort of got going for India. Uh, <laughs> um, it was just Yaddo who got it was the only guy who didn't get double figures. Agarwal 33, that, Sharma 29, Vahare 58, Kohli 45. Uh, <clears throat> it's a broader conversation there about. Like Smith got, what did Smith get, 78 or something, 80 in, in, in the Pakistan test match? And then there's those sort of numbers going around. He hasn't converted hundreds like he was, you know, in his peak. And, and Coley hasn't got 100, I think, since the mid-90s or something now. And um, and uh, I think I said this a while ago, but it feels like the peak of these guys, they'll, they'll, they'll all score more hundreds. It's not over. But, like, we've, we have seen the best of them, I feel like. Um, they, they've got lots to give. But, like, that, you know, the, the fucking top of the game best in the generation uh i feel like it's gone it's it's weird it's weird with coley like he's got so many scores between like 30 and 75 uh, it's and and smith would be broadly the same i wonder if that i wonder if what is i wonder what's in that is it is it a lack of the the one percent that you need at the top level of like the hunger like that absolute pure desire to achieve the heights it, it's like once you once you've got to the top where do you go again um i wonder if it's that i i mean or maybe he's just a bit out here now. I don't. I don't. Know. I think. I. I. Yeah. I think Coley and Smith are different. Like Coley's one is interesting because with Smith, like you can see that bowlers have. I wouldn't say worked him out, but he's certainly found it much harder to score when they bowl short to him and stack the leg side and they dry up his runs. Mm. You know, he. Mm. Um. That's just that's been the case for like three years. He's averaged like thirty five or something. Coley doesn't seem to have as clear a technical issue i mean bowlers do just hover it outside on the fifth stump line and they prey yeah. on his strength you know which is which is through the covers but you know that's mm. a pre- that that strikes me as a precision 
question. And like he, the guy's so fit. So it, mm. I, I, I don't know. Like it, it's not an eyes going thing. I just have a feeling Cole, he's got another run in him. Uh, and he's, you know, he's, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. and he's had, and by run, I don't literally mean a cricket run, which you could be forgiven for thinking because we're talking about batting runs. Mm. But uh, he, he seems to, he's been going, he's been going through a fair bit with the BCCI as well. Maybe a little bit more stability around just his position and his leadership, and where, you know where he sits in Indian cricket. Maybe, maybe that will help. I don't know. I just feel like he's still got, the, you still see his shots. He's still got the game. I think I feel like even yeah, not scoring a yeah, yeah. hundred for a couple of years is like what that's that feels like a real anomaly, and there's going to be a mm. cascade at some point. And he's obviously not doing it against Sri Lanka, and there's another two are coming up against another team. I can't quite remember. Uh, in <laughs> India, and I just don't know. I'm just I don't know. I just feel like the guy. Uh, yeah, there's some runs mm. coming for him. He's such a fascinating character, though, because we've talked about this in the past. He's just a, he's 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 in the legacy years, like he's in these legacy building years, mm. which I think is why him losing the ODI captaincy would have hurt the most. They've obviously got a they've got a home they've got a home World Cup coming up, don't they, for the 50 over stuff, and him him captaining that and, and winning that would have been part of his dynasty. Mm. Um, but it's I, I kind of feel like he might be in a bit of a limbo where he doesn't have the he probably wants to be usurped Dhoni in terms of popularity and, and have that like legacy it's funny that we're talking about Coley when fucking Jadeja's taken nine for 175 maybe we'll talk about him in a second but um, he's such an interesting person because he is he is the leading three all three format player in, in this generation of players um, probably since A.B. de Villiers um, retired but and so it's just it's such a weird thing that he hasn't scored an international 100 in so long so I just wonder what that's about um, maybe we're talking about Jadeja man and uh, and there's like there's lots of good there's lots of good cricketers lots of good all-rounders um, you know Ben Stokes is pretty good um, you know Cameron Green might be good one day but Jadeja is just like what the fuck is that 175 and 9 for come on that's that's like that's a that's a year 12 kid playing in the under 7s that's that's a joke. I mean, he is just always in the game, and he's probably the best fielder in the world. Forget about that. He probably is the best. He's he's in the conversation. He's top three. Uh but, but would he play in our team? <laughs> <laughs> would he play in our team? Yeah, I don't know. I got a feeling he'd get a game. What does he get in for, mate? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he'd get a game. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny with those guys, isn't it? Like he's he's still it, it it's still hard to think of him as a, like not anything but like a jack of all trades he's just a really good jack of all trades you know really really yeah, good yeah uh yeah so and you know pr- probably pretty decent on the circuit too <clears throat> i reckon so good salad um that's our celebration i can get in the bin because i don't like it so therefore uh mm. he should change that uh looking forward to saying sri lanka bounce back in the second test they'll be looking for a response <laughs> and other things you're supposed to say as a pro athlete um the women's world cup sam perry the most important thing about this is that the australian cricket team are winning and they're winning big mm. uh, they won their first game against england um they got 310 i want to say and then england got 290 in response so australia won that game england are the defending champions as we all know so that was a big a big uh, a big start for australia to win that game and then they last night they cleaned up Pakistan comfortably. They chased down 193 down. Uh, Alisa Healy and some more runs. Um, so Australia, there's only a handful of teams. I think there's in the, they are top of the eight team table. Uh, only a couple of teams have played two games and Australia's on four points. Therefore, uh, it's now ours to lose, baby. 
Yeah, baby. <laughs> Rachel Haynes, 130 or something like that, was it? Uh, and yeah, That's okay. Yeah, not, not bad. Uh, and you're right. I mean, I just need to look at it and see. Yeah, undefeated, good. I thought I thought England could have presented a real speed bump, a real banana skin. Uh, oh, yeah. Just because we beat them 87 times over the summer and then you play them in, in a game yeah. that really matters and you're like, oh, like mm. uh, you know, that could be... No, that's mm. fine. It was close-ish. And Alana King, uh, brilliant delivery there as well. Uh, mm. I don't know who she got out. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, and what else we're looking at? He goes, that they, they, so they've got New Zealand in Wellington on Sunday, Australia. So that's the, that's the I guess, the host. And Ash Gardner's got COVID and Heather Graham's a replacement. Um, yeah. Best game so far, though, was the opener, uh, West Indies, New Zealand, he goes. Uh, and it sort of yep. was really to and fro. And DeAndre Dotton, who, you know, we presented last week as potentially um, <clears throat> being village for a beanie in a trial game, mm-hmm. but more with a caveat of like, is it village or is it cool? Uh, well, she mm. she was ice cool. New Zealand uh, lost three wickets nice. in that final over, and uh, and West Indies emerged. But yeah, you know, I expect Australia to win undefeated. Don't want anyone to get close to them. <laughs> Big game for New Zealand actually because they lost that first game, as mm. you said there against the West Indies. So if they you know, losing two games in an eight team tournament, uh, not ideal, uh, one would say. <clears throat> Sorry um, if there's a bit of background noise before as well. I kept my air conditioning on accidentally and uh, I've turned it off. So if you see me sweating deluxe, well, just another reminder that I'm in the top end <laughs> and fuck me, wet season. Christ, it's just 33 degrees every day and fucking heaving. Cheers. <laughs> it's either hot or someone's going through your hard drives. Hmm. Uh, West Indies versus England. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting here. On my computer, is it, God, Bez is sweating. It's either really hot outside, or someone's literally right yeah. next to him, going through his hard drives on his laptop. Got an Got external, yeah, <laughs> an external hard drive in there. What? Do, yeah, going through them. Um, West, West, yeah, going just going through them uh, with a comb um, and a fine tooth one at that. None of none of this thick comb shit. I have um, heard of AFP what? officers that do go through that stuff with a bit too much of a fine tooth comb. Anyway, <laughs> if you catch my drift. West Indies and England are entangled in a test series. Um, England won that this has happened, the day one's just happened overnight uh, as we go to air. Um, England won the toss and they, you know what, good luck to them. They thought, we're going to have a go at batting. And they found themselves 27 for three, then 48 for four. And then young Johnny Bairstow, 109, red ink, red-faced, red lions, and other stuff that's red, uh, batting at six. And England finished the day at 268 for six. Very respectable. I feel like this is going to be a really good series. England are, England are trying some shit. They've got Lee up in the batting with Crawley now. Um, and Bairstow taking the gloves. Uh, wait, is Bairstow taking the gloves or is Folks yeah. playing? Uh, Folks is, po- is playing. Folks is playing. Folks is playing. Um, so that's that's something. That's definitely something for the eyes there. That's definitely some trappings for the eyes. Um, but uh, it's hard to escape the question of uh, the Butler Bairstow thing because, but I mean, um, Bairstow seems to be doing pretty well when Joss isn't playing. And maybe that's just complete coincidence, but there's been a thing their entire career, and Be- Besto is said to be upset about his sort of um, 
his treatment around like losing the gloves and being manipulated all around the order. <clears throat> um, he's a guy that plays for England who can score test hundreds. Uh, that's a pretty valuable asset. Yeah, in- interesting, isn't it? Uh, you know, firstly, kiss the ring. Joss Butler, hell of a player. Um, hell of a player. You know, is it? They they really tried everything to get him into test cricket and to uh, make him as high an impact player as possible, given how clearly talented he is, prodigiously talented he is. And, yeah, it's interesting. It, uh, you know, it hasn't quite worked out to the level that people would have liked and also what impact has it had on another player in Johnny Bairstow in a situation where batting and runs after Joe Root were pretty hard to come by anyway. And, uh, yeah, yeah it, it's you know, it's it, that, that read on Bairstow sort of sitting in Butler's shade for a while is something I hadn't really considered that much because Besto is his own enigma. But I did I did see a few comments to that effect around the Ashes, and it's it's true. I mean, Besto is such a dynamic player. He's he's an inc- and, mm. you know also in all three formats too, and uh, mm-hmm. and also Test cricket. And it, all the while there was just this incredible player they had there ready to go. And I saw um, Johnny Lou overnight tweet that uh, Besto's Test batting average with Joss Butler's twenty nine point four, and without Joss Butler's thirty eight point nine, pretty sizable, mm. pretty sizable difference. You're giving up a lot of runs there to try and crowbar Butler into the side. And now, you know, mm. already, you know, I mean, it's it's easy to say in hindsight, but he, he finishes not out overnight with a ton to his name, and um, uh, and yeah, mate. So all along, all along, it was Besto. Besto was the guy, uh, <laughs> and I like. <laughs> hey, with respect yeah. to Butler. Uh, that you know, Butler. That's all well and good, but I'm a Bearstow guy, and it was really nice to wake up this morning and just say, you know, hello, Bearstow runs, you know, alert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well done, YJB. Mm. We'll always hold a candle for you, brother. Uh, and also, um, folks has got 42 here. Um, I suspect that it's got a little bit easier to bat as the day's gone on, but like, but Bearstow's 109 stands. I mean, no one else has got to 50. Um, it stands out significantly. Even works at the end. There's chipped in with 24. Stokes next high score with 36. Um, it's uh, <laughs> folks has got a pretty, he's got a pretty decent Test record going. He hasn't necessarily played in the big series. You know, he's played against Sri Lanka, and you know, he's I think his first class average is 30. So it's not it's not sensational. Um, but uh, his test record's stacking up pretty good for a guy who has always been in the shadow of, like, three other keepers. Um, actually, four, because I think even Ollie Pope has been ahead of him at times. But look at the, look at this batting lineup. Lease, Crawley, Roots, Lawrence, Stokes, Besto, Folks, Wokes. Nah, it's still pretty shit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's something there. Then I mean, if you get... If you get you get best. You get a guy at six who's going to sort some runs for you. There's something there now. So um, you know he's he's maybe he's having maybe he's having a bit of a golden year. Best though after his SCG ton. I don't know. I just hope that everyone's happy. Um. <laughs> it's funny, mate, isn't um, it? Like right, I, I think Ollie Pope is going to be part of that team. And actually, I even thought that he looked quite bright at the Gabba against the Aussies and then, you know, they worked mm. him out. It's just funny, isn't it, that, like, we know that different conditions bring out different qualities in players and mm. Pope got the gong in the hardest series against Australia. He failed and now, yeah. like, he misses out on the p- potentially more cash-in runs in West Indies. You know, like, mm. I, I, like I, just, I would just stick with him. Anyway, that's just me. 
I can sort of see with Pope, I fancy he might have a similar career trajectory to Ian Bell. I know he's like, his technique is compared to that, but what I mean by that is if you stick with him long enough, I feel like there might be a run of sort of two, three years where he's in the top three batters in the world. Mm. You know, mm. I, I, I sense that might be a thing for him, but he's got to show you something in between. I mean, <clears throat> Ian Bell scored uh, 15 test hundreds, something like that. Um, and maybe a little bit more than that. And, uh, you know, he was sort of, he, he was he was prodding them along a little bit. He picked up the odd hundred here and there. Ollie Pope's problem is that he wasn't showing us enough. He's got one test hundred in like 20 tests. Um, and I sense that by the time he's like in his early 30s, he might be like a seriously, seriously international standard good player. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've, uh, they've hard got, to get there from the county championship. There, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Is Dan yeah. Lawrence the yeah. guy? Okay. Just, let's just give him games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can he keep and buy some offies as well? Um, anyway, uh, when, when England uh, lose that game, that'll be fun as well for us. Uh, all right, Pez. Um, we spoke to Todd Reinberg, uh, head of the ACA. He was in Pakistan. Um, and uh, we, we asked him a, a myriad of questions and also uh, really wrestled with the, uh, with the Wi-Fi there in Islamabad. But, you know, we got there. Uh, we got there and we got some stuff at him and a few laughs. Uh, but before we get to that, we need to thank our dear friends at Budgie Smuggler, uh, Sam Perry. We're talking about custom designs. So we're doing it again. We're talking about custom, custom designs. designs Smuggler, all made in Australia. We also, and I don't think you'd mind us saying this. We also had Tim David lined up for the show this week. The uh, the one point five million dollar man, um, but he couldn't do it for various reasons. So we're postponing it. Uh, but uh, just want you to know that you know we had him for a second. For we we had something in the calendar. Uh, so just mm. now now people can know that and not experience that interview. Uh, Budgie Smuggler. Well, I, I thought for the, for the custom design suggestion this week, he goes, budgiesmuggler.com, it's, uh, I wanted to honour the flattest wickets of all time, at least this century. Fuck yeah. I did, did a little yeah. bit of digging. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't go past the MCG 2718, the 2017-18, uh, Alistair Cook yep. 244, uh, where they yep. decided to wheel out uh, Jackson Bird to um, destroy his back to save those of others. Uh Yes, but, um, yes. MCG 2017-18, uh, Austra- staying with Australia, Adelaide 2019-20, uh, David Warner 335, disrespecting Bradman. I don't know if you want to put sort of the, yeah. the picture of the wicket on your smugglers or the picture of the scoreboards or David Warner disrespecting Bradman, da- maybe David Warner next to Bradman. Um, See, for me, for me, it was that, that game was actually more about Yassir Shah's 100 um, well, than it was Warner's 335. Put Yassir so. on there. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah. he goes... The Australia focus is silly. Um, people have been saying that all along about our show, uh, particularly when we covered Australia, Pakistan on YouTube. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. India versus Pakistan, two thousand and seven. He goes a three test series. Yeah, this, this is the good one. This is a the good three one. test series uh, in India. Uh, India go one up in a pretty closely fought game, two hundred and fifty plays two hundred through the four innings. Next test, Eden Gardens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> India, 616 for five declared. Yep. Wasim Jaffa, 202. Pakistan, 456. India, 184 for four declared. Pakistan, 214 for four. 1,400 odd runs. Half the wickets of the game fell. And uh, that was, that was I think India might have rolled out a road having been one nil up. But that's all right, because there was one game to go. There was one game for Pakistan one to salvage something yeah. out of the series. It was at Chinnaswamy Stadium, Bangalore. Um, mm-hmm. 626, India, plays Pakistan's 527. 
<laughs> India then makes 284 for six declared. Pakistan 162 for seven. Dada with 239. Uh, now that is a couple of blokes having a stick, I reckon. <laughs> Get this bloke off the fucking bowling machine. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if you'd like to honour any of those games or flat wickets, however you'd like to, yep. you can do so yep. with your custom-designed smugglers at yes. uh, budgiesmuggler.com.au. Use the code CHAMP. See what happens. Something might happen. <laughs> he goes, uh, the, the interview See as well. See what happens. Something might happen. The interview is brought to you by yeah. T20 Stars as well. The interview with Todd, which we, we caught up with him a couple of days ago when he was in Islamabad. Uh, T20 Stars, slick online customer journey. This is where you can get your kit online. You don't have to go to a store. You don't have to go through a middleman. Mm. You don't have to worry about the markups on recommended retail price, etc. You're just getting kit that Watto has designed. He's had his mitts all over them. We talk about it all the time. Uh, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they're, it's good gear, and it's good gear both in terms of it being cricket gear and also gear as a um, as a I suppose a, a, a metaphor. I want to say um, that then after a while, I wonder whether gear actually referred to drugs there. But no, I just mean gear as a general uh, not necessarily general term. No, no. Not necessarily. Uh, now, I liked it. I liked how you framed it as a slick customer experience. That was good. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a slick online journey. Is is probably specifically how I'd say it. Oh, it's a journey uh, now, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think Watto bowled with... Watto was quite slick early on. And I'm not talking about his looks, which we, as we all know... Oh, mate, he was, was, he was slippery. Watto was and slippery. Are. Mate, oh, Watto was 140s. Yeah, Watto yeah, was, yeah. Watto was quick. Uh, and, and he was really quick and scary. But if I wanted to kind of underplay his pace as a bowler, as a bat, I'd say, oh, yeah, he's pretty slick. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd curl up one, <laughs> ma- one side of my mouth and my cheek... <laughs> And my eye to the point where people would go, "What is that, mate? Is that Bell's palsy? What?" Pez, uh, one thing, <laughs> really weird thing to say is, "What's that, mate? What, what do you got there? Bell's palsy um, or something?" One thing, uh, one thing I really like about this Pez is the cutting out of the middleman because literally, mm. like the you know when you go to let's say let's say you go to a cafe of a morning, not in the morning of a morning, yeah, and you know like maybe maybe one little sweet treat there, something something for the eye, something for the palate. And you know, and then the person who is who is the server, who goes and gets you that little sweet treat for the for, you know with your your skin macchiato, they have to comment. They have to comment on what like it's not it's not necessarily food shame. It's like oh, a little sweet treat is it? Just <laughs> let me eat the fucking donut at seven in the morning, okay? Leave me alone. Oh, hang on, are you if suggesting this- a server says that? Like I understand a colleague saying it. Oh, they got got yourself a little sweet treat there. Like if I'm literally selling that food. <laughs> For my business or representing a business, I'm not going to be kind of querying the choice. I don't know where you're getting your getting your little sweet treats from, but uh, that business isn't going that well. I suggest. Oh, it's just Uber Eats. The delivery driver comes in. Oh, sweet treat is it? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Your your tip's just been halved. Uh, he goes anyway. T twenty stars. T twenty stars. Uh, just, just also noting, they don't pay the big stars uh, for for bat contracts. Yeah, uh, that uh, actually just increases the price of the bats. Um, it's yeah. just good. It's just good sticks, and obviously Watto and the team are um, are using kind of voices, not just us, like other people online as well, just to let you know that they are they are good sticks. It's good gear all around. T twenty starscom Good sticks, good gear. Uh, all right, here he is, Todd Greenberg. 
All right, we're really lucky to be joined by a man who, well, I'm going to say a few things here. He grew up with Richard Cheekway. Uh, he was also the CEO of the National Rugby League. He's now the CEO of the Australian Cricketers Association. Uh, he joins us from downtown Islamabad, and we hope the, connection, the internet connection holds up uh, during that time. We've already sort of dropped out once or twice, but we'll do our best. Uh, and he's with the Australian cricket team. Uh, Todd Greenberg, welcome to The Great Cricketer. Wow, what an honour to be on this program. I just love the concept of the great cricketer because that's about as good as I ever was, a great cricketer. So nice to be talking to you. Don't get in too early, Todd, because like, you know, part of the allure of talking to you is that you're a Sydney grade cricketing doyen yourself. Uh, I've done some research here, nine years at Randwick uh, and then Randwick Petersham, which then preceded 15 years in sports administration, much of it at the top, uh, and, and you were the CEO of the NRL, um, which was the harsher environment, the National Rugby League or mid-90s Sydney grade cricket? Oh, definitely mid-90s Sydney grade cricket, toughest, uh, toughest environment you'd ever, ever play in and work in. But one thing I realised very quickly in my cricket career was um, uh, if I was going to make any sort of contribution to sport it was always going to be off the field not on it um the sledging that i used to cop on the field for my lack of ability uh preceded my my effort to go into administration rather than stay on the field um todd just 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 picking up on that i've done like i told you i did some research before there's a website that says your career started in 87 88 for randwick uh nine seasons there from fifth grade to first grade so you played every grade uh, you scored 3,620 runs at 30.23. So that's to the second decimal place. 700s, 14 half centuries. First grade debut in 92, 93. Scored 200s in first grade. Um, question I want to know is, and that everyone's asking out there, is this is pre-my cricket. So have you poured over every scorebook from every grade to pull those stats together? Um, and are you thrilled that no one can verify it given that it was pre-digitization? Well, I love the research that's gone into uh, my cricket career. It wouldn't have taken long to find some of those details, but I am absolutely <laughs> delighted that my cricket and digitisation of scores was not around when I played. Uh, I was also very happy that social media wasn't around either, by the way. But, uh, geez, I made a couple of good single-figure scores that were called 20 and 30 odds that I got away with. So um, yep. that was the era. And um, I was reflecting only recently that... Um, my first job uh, was in cricket with Cricket New South Wales Development Office when I was a young tacker at a uni and I shared an office with the great Trevor Bayliss, who was um, uh, a Penrith great cricketer at the time, also obviously a very good New South Wales cricketer. And uh, he tells a, a very unique story that one of those 200s you talked about, and there was only a couple of them, but was made against Penrith. And he still recalls a tale that he reckons it's the worst 100 he's ever seen in his entire life. Five hours of the most boring great cricket he said he's ever seen. Todd, in your time at the top of the National Rugby League, uh, I, I've heard you acknowledge that you didn't want to take the soap out of the soap opera, uh, which is part of the brand of the sport, <laughs> um, which I suppose you have to say when you've got to deal with, you know, Joel Monaghan or um, Todd Carney's bubbler. And, you know, as I say that, um, there's a lot of very confused Indian viewers who will now be looking yeah. up Todd Carney bubbler. <laughs> Um, when it, when I heard you address the Justin Langer episode, though, you just seemed extremely calm. Um, and is it fair to say that a life in rugby league leaves you well prepared for a, a run-of-the-mill cricket scandal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been asked that question uh, before. But, um, yeah, it's fair to say that uh, a tough week in cricket uh, was usually, you know, Maybe that was a normal Monday in the National Rugby League. So, uh, 
yeah, it's, uh, it holds you in good stead. Uh, and certainly you brought back some very wonderful and rich memories when you mentioned some of those uh, incidents. So things that I've blocked out over a period of time that are now coming racing back. Sorry. <laughs> 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 hey, Todd, um, obviously I w- w- we'll talk about some more pressing matters at the moment. You're obviously in Pakistan and um, I think everyone knows that, that you know there was a terrorist attack in Pakistan a couple of days ago. I mean, I'm sure everyone in tour as well as everyone in the country have, have concerns about that. And I, I want to know like, what sort of organizations do you link up with before the tour starts to, to make sure it goes ahead and, and ensure the safety is it like the AFP anti-terror organizations, or do you just like send some blokes over to have a look at the decks? <laughs> you know, we just threw a few blokes to, we'd never met, check out the wickets, make sure there was a few <laughs> beers somewhere stashed away and away we went. So yeah, it's pretty simple, really. Um, <laughs> So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, fingers crossed, we're all good. But um, yeah, you can suffice to say there was an enormous amount of work that's gone in and uh, so far so good. Uh, Although I will say one thing about Pakistan, they know how to make a flat wicket. My God, even in my shitty career, I reckon I could score runs on that wicket. Uh, so, so being in Pakistan, Todd, you're you're also there with uh, CEO Nick Hockley, CEO of Cricket Australia. Um, Australia, and these are probably my words, but I think others feel this way as well. I, you know, firstly, we haven't been overseas for Test cricket for a number of years, and um, frankly, we probably haven't come across like a good global citizen for a little while in this regard. Um, but we're proud to see Australia there now, and it seems like Pakistan is being incredibly hospitable to uh, Australians over there, and you can you can feel that vibe watching it on TV as well. Um, how, how much of the decision to embark on this trip, particularly given England pulled out, New Zealand pulled out, um, was, was informed by the feeling that Australia needed to be better when it came to its role in global cricket? Yeah, I think that is a really good question because... You know, we can't sit back on our shores and expect India and England and New Zealand and whoever else to come and tour our place in our summer and not then reciprocate at other parts of the world um, at key times. And this was obviously a big decision for us to make, but an important one. And I, I can tell you one thing, walking around the ground each day, I've never been thanked by so many people I've never met in my life about how grateful and thankful and you know, the, the concept when you go away from home, you expect uh, this sort of really tough environment for the players to play. Well, it's almost like you've got this absolute love and desire for the Australian cricket team, almost to the point where they're so happy when players get runs and wickets. It's it's really quite unique. I've never seen anything like it, that the Pakistan crowd are so happy to see Australians play. And, you know, the day before the test match, I sat inside the team room with the players and the staff when Usman Khawaja spoke to the team passionately about what this meant. And the way he spoke, um, his emotional connection with the country that he was born, but he, he sp- explained to the players why it was important and why what they were doing and the effort to be here, that there would be kids now seeing Steve Smith and Pat Cummins and Dave Warner, who maybe never, ever thought they would see them play cricket live in person. And, you know, that, that opportunity is not lost on any of us, certainly not lost on the players. I mean, let's face it, there's a generation of Australian cricketers who've never been afforded the chance to play Test cricket in Pakistan. And now these players today uh, are playing here. Cameron Green was never, he wasn't even a twinkle in his parents' eye back 24 years ago. And he's now playing on this ground. So uh, that that's not lost on us. And hopefully we get through this tour safely and it's successful and other countries start to come and play here in Pakistan. And we help them, you know, return effectively what's superpower of cricket back to, the, to its rightful place. Mm. 
That's pretty cool. Uh, Todd, I, I want to ask you how um how Pat Cummins is doing. He, he's obviously a, you know a smart guy. He's educated and you know he's gorgeous. Um, but like, but how's he doing? Because in his first like three months in the role, I mean he's he's been given the job in fairly extreme circumstances after the Tim Payne thing, and then I mean half the country wanted Steve Smith to get it back, and there was some anger around that. Then he get then then the coach gets or he doesn't get his contract renewed or he steps down, and and the country blames the current captain from including former legends. Then he's touring Pakistan for the first time in 30 years. And then um, maybe Australia's greatest ever player passes away and he's the face of the current team. I mean, this is a, I'm not sure baptism of fire is the right words, but you know what I mean? It's a pretty intense introduction to the job and he's a young dad as well. Um, so how, how's, how's he doing? Yeah, and on top of that, he got COVID leading into the Adelaide test and then gets over here and tries to open the bowling on what looks like the Hume Highway and it doesn't move. So um, <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> He's, he's, had a, he's had a tough start. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, the circumstances around this game were unbelievable, you know, with Rod Marsh passing and then mm. the news that Warney had passed as the players are coming off the field. So you're right. They've thrown some challenges at him. Um, but as you say, he's, he's a high-quality person. He's a phenomenal cricket, obviously. But, geez, I reckon we're fortunate to have him in the leadership role because um, the players gravitate to him, the players follow him. And... Um, one thing with Pat is he doesn't leave you in any uncertainty about what he's thinking or what he stands for. So when he's got something to say, he'll say it. So um, maybe a bit like working in the National Rugby League and then coming to cricket, you, you might as well get a few tough ones at the beginning because it's always going to get easier on the other side. Mm. Um, Todd, I think there'd be a lot of uh, sort of everyday cricket fans out there who wouldn't be um, because they've got other things to do in their lives, you know, really well versed in the the role of the the head of the ACA um, versus, uh, you know, the CEO of Cricket Australia and the way the administration kind of works with each other or against each other for the betterment of cricket. And when, when I think about the ACA and you in particular looking after the players, you know, the, the biggest issue that um, comes to mind for me is this overarching endlessly evolving question about you know, club versus country and i'd love to know where you fall into that so you know the big question to me is about the, the obligation of players um as particularly as it relates to the ipl um as the ipl expands players administrators have to sort of find the right posture to look after the players but also the national team um, we're already in a situation in australia and i know it's more so in other countries but in australia where clearly the ipl um, for the players is more important than some national fixtures, not all, but some of them. Um, what, what's your view on how that should be managed? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm not surprised that people can't quite figure out what ACA and CA do because they're both run by a couple of bald blokes. So you might get us confused a little bit. <laughs> between um, and, that, and, and, that, and that's okay. Um, but um, look, it's, it's, it's probably going to be the most difficult question to answer over the next decade, I reckon, for global cricket. And Australian cricket will be no different because we still want players to play for their country. And clearly, the baggy green still represents the sort of pinnacle of our sport. But in saying that, the IPL is affording players some very significant commercial opportunities. I mean, let's face it, anyone, any one of us and any of the people listening to this will always consider uh, the amount of money that you can earn in a short period of time. And cricketers are no different to that. So yeah. I get a sense they're not mutually exclusive, though. I think we can work together and figure out how we can schedule windows where players can get opportunity to play in the IPL, but still represent their country. In some other countries, 
that boat's already sailed. I mean, if you look at New Zealand, there'll be players who'll miss the next test match for the Kiwis because they're playing in the IPL. And I don't want us to get to that point. I don't think we will, by the way, but um, it's going to be important that we communicate really well together on the schedule so players can have the ability to do both. Yeah, just, just on that, Todd, look, I think it's... Um... I think it's a good answer and I think it's a, it's, it's good to be able to say how, you know, let's work out how we can do both, but we see the, um, and, and for the record as well, you know, we cover the IPL heavily and we like it and it's a great competition. Um, but you, we do see it expanding and, um, and if you follow Australia you sort of go, well, uh, India gets um, an exclusive window to do their domestic tournament. Uh, where there's no other international cricket on, basically, you know, during that time. Uh, and yet other countries have to put their domestic tournaments in and around international cricket. And it creates a, um, it's, it's not really a level playing field. Like, are there any, are there any, um, is there any weaponry or machinery there that like, where you, you might have, have to push back against the BCCI somehow, or is it just, if they want to expand, you got to work around it, you know, because we've spoken to previous CEOs, and every time we ask them, do you get champed by the BCCI? They say yes. What, what can be done? <laughs> well, if you're talking weaponry and uh, machinery, if I look out my window, there's a whole bucket load of that at the front of the Pakistan Hotel today. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, I think there will be a lot of people getting champed by the BCCI in the future. And um, you're not suggesting that the BCCI are wielding too much power out there, Sam, surely. I mean, um, that would be some- <laughs> I'm just saying that diplomacy requires different tools at different times, you know, and it's nice to work with the BCCI and, and to recognize where the power is, but, but surely there's got to be times when you sort of have to push back. How do you even do that? Yeah, I wouldn't mind a reverse champ under that model. Um, but uh, I'm not sure how to go in, uh, in India when I try to do that one. I might be sent packing if I do that one too quickly in my tenure. <laughs> This, um, this interview is actually brought to you by the BCCI. Uh, we should have said that at the top. Um, <laughs> to, 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 um, <laughs> um, how does um, how does the ACA support a guy like like Will Bukowski? Now his his troubles are obviously well documented, but um, you know, and it's obviously Will's decision if he wants to play or or, or what. But um, but have you had conversations with Will? You know about his future and what that looks like for him if if cricket doesn't work out for him. Yeah, I think more broadly, the opportunity for me to quickly talk about what the ACA does, and Will's a good mm-hmm. example, is we're there to become the, the the support and conduit for both former players, former first-class and test players, right through to the current players who are contracted across both states and for, for our country. So that's male and female players. So a huge part of what we do is providing some level of balance in their lives so that cricket is not the only part and portion of their, their future. So in other words... Um, someone, as an example, like Pat Cummins, when he was injured, um, the amount of education he did to better himself, to prepare himself for life after cricket is really important. Um, and so we find that if, if a player is only and solely worried about the next cover drive or, you know, the next delivery is going to, going to bowl, then effectively his life won't be as easy in transition potentially as somebody else's. So there's a huge amount of work that goes underway for wellbeing and education for our players, uh, preparing themselves for life after cricket. That doesn't start the day you announce your retirement and it starts years in advance. And I could sit here and talk for hours about the number of players who've made great strides to prepare themselves for life after cricket. And 
someone like Will, you know, obviously we're putting a huge support network around him, uh, a lot of specialists giving him advice uh, and making sure that he gets the opportunity to play but does it safely. And his, you know, well-being, welfare is also very, very important. So, again, he's a very unique case, but there are lots of others yep. within the ACA that we're helping uh, for those exact reasons. Mm. Todd Greenberg, thanks so much uh, for coming on the show and uh, um, for, for braving the Wi-Fi. And uh, I think everyone would be really happy that you and Nick Hockley are over there. Um, helping to bring Australian cricket to Pakistan and just helping Australia be a, be a better global citizen when it comes to cricket. Thanks for having me on The Great Cricketer. One of my uh, great uh, achievements to finally make it on your uh, show. So thanks for having me. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Thank you very much to... Todd Greenberg over there in Islamabad. I think he actually might be back in Australia now, but uh, but that but then he wasn't. So he was sort of on the ground there, um, which is the most important thing for us and for that last sort of twenty minutes or so in your ears. Uh, Pez, uh, before we uh, wrap up the show with uh, with uh, some sentimental thoughts uh, from the people out there about Shane Warne, we obviously need to segue nicely and thank Manscaped. It's what he would have wanted. It's what he would have wanted. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Come on I'm going to be so crass as to say Buy these Manscaped products It's what Warney would have wanted um, <laughs> Not yet That'll be, you know, a few weeks time uh, yeah. yeah, look uh, I've got some copy in front of me He goes, now Now they're talking about the Ultra Premium Collection uh, for, your, for your not the so The Ultra Premium Collection It's Ultra hey, Premium It's still the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 With skin safe technology Which reduces cuts to your most delicate areas as I've always said. Uh, yeah, first thing you've yeah, said to me every morning. Yeah, uh, every single morning. But you can. Uh, <laughs> but I suppose that. So, so the lawnmower is the lawnmower is the mothership. You know, the lawnmower is is that's that's the that's the big boy. That's the big boss. That's the final boss. Mm. When you open up mm. the the beautifully packaged manscaped material, that's what you're really looking oh, for. That's the, thing, that's the thing that cuts the hair. You know, that's fine. Um, but there is there's accoutrements around it, and I know we focus on the lawnmower. Um, I know we focus on lawnmower quite a lot, but in the in the in the premium collection, if that somehow gets you over the line, and please let it get you over the line, it helps us really. Mm. I mean, if it's a symbiotic mm. relationship, um, yeah. But uh, you know, there's Manscaped pretty premium deodorant, not for your balls. Uh, it's for your stanky armpits. This is American. Um, yeah, it dries clear. It's Aluminium free. It smells like their signature scent. Does it smell like a signature scent? I can hear you asking. What's it, what's it smell like? Ah, oh, the signature scent of Manscaped. Ah, oh, you beauty. You butner. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, mate. How mate, good. Mate, mate, how good. As long as it's got the signature scent. Oh, I fucking oh, no, yeah. that smell. Uh, okay, I know who had a signature scent. Lynx. Lynx Java in 1999 yeah. Yeah. around the locker room. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I was... I was I was more of an African man myself. I was an African yeah, man too. I thought it was I thought it was a, I thought it was a nicer scent, Africa, than Java. Anyway, mm. I'm sure Manscaped appreciates that. Uh, hydrating yeah. body moisturizer. It says, have you got tattoos or issues with dry skin? You ever thought about a tattoo? 
Uh, I've thought about it. Like, both my siblings have tattoos, but I... Really? Never, um... I never even had a look at one, really. I just don't think it would suit me. Where would it be? So what would it say? Sort of mainly twos, threes? <laughs> It'd be on my lower back and saying, life in the medium fast lane. <laughs> Keeping up to the stumps. <laughs> Just thinking about my autobiography now. Ian Higgins it's, keeping up. It's, that's right. Uh, yeah, it's also you also get body wash, uh, which actually, as people are asking, is to lather you up with their infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel. Uh, that's and, right. And uh, two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, plus a free gift, three-pack set of lip, lip, lip balm. That's made yeah. up with... I've, with used, I've used lip balm. Yeah. I, did I tell you this? How like when I, I literally came back from the States and then there was a package in my hallway of the building that I live oh, in. Oh, yeah. And there's just like, there's just fucking all sorts of just ball wipes and yeah. uh, deodorant lip balms or just all waiting for me to, you know, sort, yeah. sort out my shit after my long flight. This is important. All the, all the products are cruelty-free, paraben-free, vegan-friendly and dye-free. Uh, I like that. Yeah, so that that's nice. So hop in the shower and scrub-a-dub-dub that body. All right. So, yeah, uh... <laughs> Go to manscaped.com. You can get that premium collection with 20% mm. off plus free shipping if you use the code TGC. Nice one, Pez. Um, all right, this is the way to wrap up the show. Pez, you want to set it up and uh, and wrap up the show for us? Thank you very much to Todd Grimmer, by the way. Thanks, as ever, for listening uh, to this show, to all the other shows, and to the Shame Warn special we did for the patrons out there, uh, for everyone on YouTube who watched uh, the, the week that was. Uh, but, yeah, Pez, take it away. Uh, we received, in response to our, uh, you know, offer to for people to send in their tributes and their thoughts via written word or DM or um, voice messages, especially um, multiple hundreds of responses, uh, and it was really touching. And yesterday, I uh, listened to every single one, um, which was, you know, it was. It was actually a really special thing to do, and we wanted to basically hand over the show uh, to you guys uh, because there are a lot of people who want to um, say something about what Shane Warne meant to them, and there aren't a lot of platforms or outlets out out there for that, at least in a broadcasting sense. Uh, and so I um, stitched together about there was there was probably about sixty voice messages, and I stitched together about forty. So this goes this goes for half an hour if you want to listen to it. It may be for some, it may not be for others. Uh, the, those that um, aren't in there, I apologise profusely. It was um, either due to a technical or a sound issue, and I couldn't get it in there. Everyone else's voice messages, they're in there in full fidelity. Nothing is cut. Uh, and as I was doing it, um, obviously I'm. You know, I was, I was looking up warning as it went on, and uh, I thought it would be nice to set it to a little bit of background music, just to give it a little bit of colour. And I thought, well, what better way to um, give it background music than to look up the musicians that were in his mural, uh, which were um, <laughs> Elvis Presley, Bruce Springsteen, Frank Sinatra, you know, Mick Jagger, and Coldplay. Uh, and because of the length of these, I needed one more song, uh, and I, I. Research warning, and I learned that a, a quote that he often, um, uh, or, or a song that he often went to when discussing death was "Come Undone" by Robbie Williams, 
uh, and it was about not being afraid of dying, but just wanting to live uh, and just loving life. And so um, if you're watching on YouTube, you're not going to get these songs because we'll just get a copyright strike and um, it will just be taken down. But if you're listening to the podcast version, uh, that's the music that's going to sit underneath. We'll just roll the dice on it. And I, uh, I, f- I feel like Warney and a lot of those artists might be cool with that. Uh, so yeah, um, thank you for all the messages. They came from all over the world. You'll hear many different countries represented uh, in there. Um, this is for you guys. This is what you guys were thinking about. Shane Warne, uh, enjoy. Hi, Sam. Hi, Hego. Uh, it's Tommy here. It's 20 past one in Manchester, in the UK. And I just want to tell you how much I fucking love Shane Warne as an Englishman. There's a sense of Stockholm Syndrome or masochism in it. But no, I don't think there is. He's just a genius. He was a genius. He is a genius. He will always be a genius. There's a reason he's called the king. He, for me, for my money, is the greatest sports person of all time. And me and my dad had this discussion um, when we were very drunk after the Cricket World Cup when in 2019... It's just one of those father-son debates, but we both agreed Shane Warne was number one. Out of any sport, no one could do what he could do. And he traversed celebrity and sport. And I don't think I've ever been so shocked and saddened by a celebrity's death. He's not a celebrity, though. He's a god. He's a king. And he's the reason that Test Cricket is what it is today and the reason it's probably still alive. So... Yeah, I love that man so much and Higo's tweet keeps making me cry. I've cried a lot today, but the one about him knowing that we all loved him, um, it really hit deep. So I hope you boys are okay. Big love from England, from Manchester. I love Shane Warren. I remember I was in Pakistan and I used to wake up at 4am just to watch Shane Warren. I tried bowling like him. I think we all did. But we couldn't. Rest in peace, King. Rest in peace. I just wish we had a leggy like him. Absolute legend. He was talking about part-time jobs, and it was just terrible content. And how he kept uh, changing the subject. And anyway, finally, one he's like, "Look, just going back to that part-time jobs piece. We used to deliver pizzas on Friday nights. I'd get 14 bucks for the whole shift, and after my shift, I'd buy two pizzas for 14 bucks and eat them both. And then I got a pick for Australia to play tests, and I worked there the, every Friday the whole first year I played for Australia. What a legend." Everyone talks about like role models for kids and stuff, but role models for like where's where's my role model? You know, Shane was my role model. You know, smoking darts on the beers. Liz Hurley, come on! Oh yeah, and he could spin your fucking face off. Growing up playing cricket in the streets of Mumbai in the 90s, there were only three kinds of kids: one who mimicked Tendulkar's batting form. Second, who mimicked McGrath's bowling action. And third, who mimicked Warney's bowling action. The entire city would come to a halt when Australia and India played against each other. And Warney versus Tendulkar was all we spoke about the next day in school. I know India will miss Warney very much, but for me, a part of my childhood has been lost forever. 
Rest in peace, King. A really sad poem here, trying to tune in from across many seas, just to say that um, I cannot begin to overstate the impact that I feel Shane Warne has had, not only on my cricketing career, but on my life. Um, I was born in 1998, and the 2005 Ashes left me uh, reveling in the in the shadows of two men, and those men were Freddie Flintoff and Shane Warne. However, um, Shane Warne and his persona off the field, his rock and roll lifestyle, the way that he uh, took his personality to every forefront of every confrontation he came across. Um, led me to breaking windows in my mum's house for four or five years after I had, uh, after those ashes had finished. Um, he was a true champion of the game. He, he, he has inspired me to continue play, playing cricket to, to this day. Uh, that is now 16, 17 years on. And I do, I, 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 I think of him whenever I go out to bowl, whether that's for the MCC or whether that's for my local cricket club. But there is no way to overstate the influence that Shane Warne has had, not only on the game of cricket in Australia, but the game of cricket globally. And I am one of those people that has been influenced and will continue to be influenced. And Growing up in the 90s in New Zealand, we had a pretty average team and uh, seeing Australia being basically world champions and world dominating everyone uh, was hard to take, but there were two players that really um, stood above and I began to respect, and that was Mark Warren and Shane Warne. Uh, Mark Warren had his, his bat, the V100, but Shane Warne, he, um, he was the reason I started Lexman Bowling when I was a kid. He, he transcended the sport. I mean, he, even I remember watching him in Christchurch in an ODI in 1999, and he took three for 50, and just every time he came on to bowl, the, the crowd just knew they were watching one of the world's greats. And not many players come along like that. And I think to say that we're all in shock is a bit of an understatement, but I'm just truly thankful that we got to witness it as well. Um, gone far too soon, RIP the king. Warning, you legend. What a superstar you were. Best number one sportsman across any sport for me as a young Kiwi uh, growing up playing cricket. If you were on telly, I dropped everything to, to see you play. You're, all, you're an artist, an absolute artist. Uh, the world is a lesser place now that you're gone. What a legend. There's certain individuals that have an impact on the world and unfortunately, these individuals often have a shorter lifespan. And Shane, you were one of those people, and I'm sorry. But all I can say is thank you. Thank you for bringing me happiness. Thank you for bringing our country happiness. Thank you for bringing the globe and the cricketing world happiness. And most importantly, thank you for making me feel safe for all of the years of my life. I cannot think of a time that you were not in my life. You are the king, sir. Say what you say, and say what you say about him, but you were 100% yourself, and you never shied away from that. And it's an absolute fact that you were a good man, 
you're a good man and I respect that. So thank you. Thank you for showing me light and thank you for having a life unique to anybody else's. It's a sad day. It's a really sad day. You didn't deserve this and I'm sorry. But thank you. Thank you, Shane. You will be remembered in the most wonderful, wonderful way. Fuck you, Marlon. In all honesty, Shane Warren, you're a legend. Yeah, I met Shane at uh, at the Jade Buddha Bar. I've had a couple of beers, so um, in Brisbane on the first night of the Ashes, 2010, and <clears throat> nobody the uh, no none of the other fuckwits would come and say good day. No one would shake your hand, but Shane was happy to. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, we'd all had a fair few four X's and whatnot. Um, Shane was Shane was there to yeah, oh, mate. We had a yarn. We had a, we had a few stories. It was he was the man that we could relate to. You know, um, yeah, Vale Shane. As an Englishman, Shane Warne, tormentor, but boy, did I wish he played for England. Fantastic legend. Words cannot sum up. Absolutely stunned, shocked. Um, rest in peace, Warney. Hello, boys. It's a real shock to me. I'm uh, an Englishman in my mid-40s and... Uh, Warney was the constant in my kind of conscious cricket life. I used to sneak off to the school library to read uh, the Cricketer magazine every time it came out every month to hear about this young man and kind of smirked a little bit when he was coming to England as the as the destroyer after seeing what happened in his debut in India and all that. But my God, what a man he was. It's just, uh, I loved him, despite the fact he spent all his time embarrassing us. Um the greatest cricketer I've ever seen set foot on the field and I've seen a few um, 2005 Ashes was one of the greatest performances of of any player I've ever seen and uh, you know the guy was just amazing and you know I was, uh, I really miss him and I was really shocked more shocked than I've been by uh, by anything but uh, you know the real king and he the way he played with such a his smile on his face, his enjoyment, his intelligence. You know, he was a bit of a boy as well. We all like that. And, uh, you know, it's a great shame. And I'm sure I won't feel it as much as many others, but I miss the guy. And, uh, you know, cuts it, really. Jay here from Bombay. Um, absolutely devastated this morning. Since last night, actually. I saw the pop-up on my phone. I was just about to step out for dinner. And yes, um, I was in tears. I couldn't believe it. My hero died. My idol, I grew up idolizing him, Tendulkar, Ricky Ponting in the 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I don't think I've slept much. I've just been on my phone reading all the tributes, watching his videos. 
absolutely devastated. Um, he was a complete legend. Um, just hearing him talk about cricket, whether it was in the commentary box or in an interview or in an article, he spoke so much sense. He spoke his heart. He was honest to himself. He was one of the greatest sportsmen ever. Um, India misses him. India loves Shane. We all love him here. It's a very, very hard pill to swallow. Um, personally, for me as well, he made such an impact in my life. He doesn't even know that. That's the sad part. And I'm sure he's done that for millions of other people. Condolences to his family. Um, we will miss you, Shane. We love you. Rest in peace, King. Jim Stoke tried to eulogise and show us the legend in truncated Twitter obituary. And I guess there's much being said about the showman and the larrikin and all the pomp and circumstance, but I just want to build a small monument to his genius. Um, you know, the raw phenomenological purity of a master and his discipline. He demonstrated artisanal, mechanical, relentless perfection of form and pace and flight. I know, Pez, you've acknowledged this before, but he was a physical exhibition of beauty and aesthetics, um, a paradigm creator and a pedagogical influence to forthcoming generations. I guess, to me, that's how he was transcendental, uh, to not only dominate the limelight for his character, but also occupy the scarce realm of sporting deification, afforded simply by becoming the absolute solitary sovereign of his discipline. One of the most skillful athletes in history, he leaves a gulf of meaning in his wake and we're all indebted to his legend. Take care, boys. Bold shame. Everyone talks about that Mike Gatting ball, but the first ball I ever watched live on TV was the ball he bowled in 2005 to Andrew Strauss at Edgebaston. I was hooked on cricket ever since. I was nine years old then. I'm 25 now. I'm a cricket tragic and I'm still shit at the sport. Hey, boys. Rest in peace, Shane Warne, our fucking Australian sporting icon. The Australian sporting icon. Honestly, I thought he was immortal. I am fucking very shocked when I woke up this morning to see the news. Um, might get around in a trolley for the next week, I suppose. Honouring a bit of trolley stuff, get me dad to build it for me and all that. But yeah, rest in peace to the fucking king, baby. Boxing Day 2006 sitting behind his arm, high in the grandstand at the MCG. Victoria's favourite son, ripping one out of the rough. 700th wicket, wheeling away like an absolute madman. There was no better moment in my sporting memory. There is so much you can say about Shane Warne and, and so much I wanted to say. Um, and all of this, I don't know, I think... Thing that stands out to me, like I, I cried this morning. Um, well, I was, I was, in you know tribute to Shane. I was on the circuit when I found out, and I, you know, there was a shock and there was an emptiness, and it felt weird to be there. Um, and then I woke up this morning and I saw a story, and everyone was sharing stories across Twitter about Warnie, and there was one that got, and they've they've, they've all got the same comment. This one was funny, and it was, you know, we went to a buffet, and there's Shane Warne, and he's just demolishing nothing but an entire bucket of prawns, like just prawns, which is hilarious. But um, all these stories, there's heaps of them. They go around. Everyone's got a Warne story, um, and there's this common warmth through all of them. There's this common zest through all of them. And I think it, I think it was Ben Jones who tweeted, and he was like, "Oh, 
everyone's got a Warnie story, but none of these are in Warnie's top 100. He's an incredible character. And, you know, as a result, he goes tweeted and said, um, I hope he knew how much we loved him. And often we forget how much we mean to those around us, and, and it's easy to be lost when you don't, you know, in, in transience. Um, but I think, I think more than anyone, he did. I'm fairly certain. Yeah, he, he did. He just wanted to be loved. Wish you were English. We only wish you were English. Thank you, King. Growing up in Scotland, it's not such a cricketing culture. But growing up with a with a, with an English dad, um, you're supposed to get quite early. And Shane Warne was the man that made me fall in love with this this stupid game we all play. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> forever, for that, I'll always be forever thankful. Because it's one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life. He's, he's... I love this game, and it's, it's all Shane Warne's fault. The man was... was the king. He was the, he was, he was the king. And I, f- I really hope he knew how much he meant to not just Australians, not just English people, but but people from outside the the traditional kind of cricket countries. Uh, but he, he was the king, and he's gone to far too soon. Uh, rest in power, king. Rest in power. What did Shane Warne mean? Well, he was a whole lot more than just a great cricketer. He was part of our culture. A couple of a couple of weeks ago, Ricky Ponting was at my daughter's cricket club here in Melbourne signing autographs, and um, which was great. My wife turned to friends and had to ask who it was, and that's not to damn great punter, greatest Australian player I've seen, greatest Australian batsman I've seen. But my wife wouldn't have a clue. Can't stand cricket. Wouldn't have a clue. This morning, when I turned on my phone and turned to her and uh, told her the news. She was utterly shocked um, and very upset. And I think, I think that's probably testament to, to what Warnie meant to us. It's so much more than a cricketer. It's part of our culture. Rest in peace, Warnie. If you grew up in the 90s or the 2000s in England and you were playing playground cricket, Corridor cricket, backyard cricket, real cricket. The universal response to a good ball being bowled is bowling Shane. When he bowled Strauss round his legs, God, I fell in love with cricket. Rest in peace, King. In 2007, almost a year after he had retired from Test cricket, I had the pleasure of actually seeing Shane Warne in the flesh. He'd come to this local competition in Hong Kong, representing an all-star team, and he was the captain. And despite having Laura, Kumble, and McGrath, Warne was the key attraction. So, 
no other cricketer I think has transcended international uh, transcended boundaries as much as Shane Warne has. It really shook me to hear about his death, and I'm sure it shook all cricket fans all around the world. I just want to give my condolences to his family, his children, his parents, and all of his friends and admirers all over the world. Yeah, just you know, completely devastated about this one. So I'm I'm a I'm an Indian fan, uh, but you know. I think with cricketers, right, or, or just cricket lovers, right, you're a cricket fan first, and then you think about which country you support. And you know, if you're a cricket fan, uh, you know Shane Warne is your—he is your idol. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're Indian or Australian or English or whatever. Like Shane Warne is your idol, um, and you know more so than other greats. Like you know, like obviously within India, there, there's Sachin, etc. You know, Shane Warne has been so, so, so public, both in and out of cricket, of course, for so long, even after retiring. Um, he's so involved. He's, he's just a complete part of your cricketing, watching and experiencing journey. That you know, losing him is is as big a loss as you can actually. I mean, it is the biggest loss that you can possibly imagine for the cricketing world, if you ask me. And um, you know, I was just trying to think. You know, when is it going to be normal that there is no Shane Warne? I actually don't think that that exists. I, I think for the next three to five years, we will feel his. Uh, you know, his. Him not being around, uh, like very, very explicitly, uh, but I don't think that that feeling will ever really go away. Um, rest in peace, Warney. Uh, we fucking love you, man. I mean, we really, really. If you're a cricket fan, you fucking love Shane Warne, and, and you will be missed. Thank you. Shane Warne was an absolute mammoth of a man. As an English fan growing up in the 2000s, it's no exaggeration to say he had a hugely direct influence on the earliest years of my love for the game and was the first bowler I became infatuated by. I have friends and family for whom he was the reason they started bowling leg spin, his mannerisms copied in gardens and nets everywhere, his bowling Shano was shrieked with delight by whoever was keeping wicket. He transcended loyalties, transcended the Ashes rivalry, and captivated the hearts and minds of all those who had the honour of watching him bowl. More so, however, Shane Warne, the commentator, the personality, has been a near-constant presence in my cricket-watching life. His work for Sky in the UK and the famous good morning greeting of good morning NASA, good morning everyone, will be etched in my memory forever. He was everywhere and everyone at home felt like they knew Shane, even if he sometimes erred into Aussie bias. But who would have it any other way? He never apologised for being himself, for the hair, the earring, the brilliant way in which he ribbed and joked with the English. He was a true genius, a master of his craft, and in my mind, undoubtedly the best to ever do it. The cricketing world, and indeed the entire world, will be a poorer and less colourful place without warning. Long live the king. We only wish you were English. Wish you were English. We only wish you were English. R.I.P. Warney. I think uh, similar to the procedure when the Queen eventually dies, all Australian news anchors for the next seven days uh, should be eating meat pies and having a couple darts live on air just out of sheer respect for the brilliant man. On earth, it was Court Marsh Bowl Lily. In heaven, it's going to be Court Marsh Bowl Warney. R.I.P. you two legends. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the pleasure your legend will live forever and ever and ever 
Hi lads. From Glasgow, Scotland, Warney managed to transcend a game that we here do not give a fuck about. He managed to do something that every Scotsman dreamed of and made the English look like useless bastards. Cheers. We wish you were English. We only wish you were English. Yeah. Rest in peace. And for one last time, life will not be the same. Ball and Shane. Shane's legacy will not be recalled in wickets taken or matches won, although there were many. But in the inspiration he fostered in his generation and in future generations, in the interests and love he grew in our game, and his incalculable contribution to the Australian psyche and the Australian story. So, uh, my lasting memory as a New Zealander of Shane Warne is 99 out. The man dominated us for years, like New Zealanders bad at playing spin, especially in the 90s, God, and, uh, but worse against playing Warren. He terrorised us, like, games would start off well, Warren would come on, I'm like, it's over, we're fucked, and we were. Um, so for all the wickets, though, there was one test match, you know, Warner's there between the batters and the bowlers, not quite an all-rounder, but uh, sort of the bridge to the tail, and I was like, well, if we can just get Warren out, we're here for a chance some test and uh he was just smashing us everywhere this day and i was went past 50 crews and i'm like no fucking way he's scoring a century like we will never live this down like of all the wickets and all the crazy ballsy balls this is going to be his career highlight he's going to score a century and it has to be first new zealand and praise the lord 99 out to a no ball. These days you might have DRS, but uh, not back then. And so for all of the, his domination versus, we will always have that 99 out. Rest in peace, King. Hey guys, I'm just gutted today. Really shocked by the news of warning. I was a kid who migrated from an Indian kid who migrated from Kenya in the late 80s and I don't know, just watching Warney growing up when I was a kid, he just made me feel like I could be part of Australia. It made me feel you could do things which were unbelievable. I'm just really going to miss him. So, yeah, thoughts with the family, but um, he'll be truly missed and I, I hope he knows how much we loved him. Cheers, guys. First ball in Test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Gadding has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. He asked Kenny Palmer on the way out. Kenny Palmer just gave him a raised eyebrow and a little nod. And that's all it needed.